Good day, everybody, and welcome to QSC Play Out Loud episode 6, Engineering Sound. Our last podcast was with Zai Zacchaeus, and he was a fingerstyle guitarist. And before that, we had done an episode with Cinema of Excess from Bangalore, and they played out of the Rainbow Bridge studio in Bangalore. And we got a video recording of it as well, and that is out on our YouTube page. So do check that out uh, if you have not already. Well, today we aren't here with an artist. We are actually here with a sound engineer. Uh, his name is Niranjan Shivram, and he's sitting over here, and we are recording out of the QSC headquarters in Bangalore. Uh, Niranjan Shivram is the co-founder and the CTO of Audio Academy. So, hello, sir. How are you? Doing good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Let's speak about Audio Academy first before we actually get into everything else that you have done because there is quite a bit. Tell me about Audio Academy. It's about eight years old now, isn't it? Yeah. So, basically, the idea behind the Audio Academy was uh, we really, when I was touring the country, there was this lack of uh, quality in the way things were done. And... It essentially was, how could I contribute in some way to help them? Uh, that's essentially how Audio Academy actually started. We never started it off as a business, mm -hmm. uh, but we just started as an education, a place for education. Uh, how did, I'm, so, I'm so sorry, but how, how did you know that it was like your calling to say, okay, fine, there is a problem over here and it is my job to fill up this problem over here? Uh, it wasn't my calling, it was a necessity. You go for a gig, things aren't working, you're doing things on your own, it's no fun. So you were, you were uh, looking at it from um, a person who visits a concert or, you know, like, like a spectator or from the point of an I'm, 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 I was looking at it from the point of an audio engineer because the audience never really knows what happens. Even if things aren't working, they don't know until they really can't hear something. Okay. Uh, so it, w it really wasn't about looking at things of the way the audience would, but improve the experience of the technical crew already which in turn does improve the experience for the audience. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so that was the whole aim behind starting Audio Academy. And then going to a concert, it's all about, I mean, you are going to a concert to listen to good music, probably of one of your you know, preferred artists. Yeah. And if you can't listen to them the way you know, you're used to listening to them, it can totally ruin your entire exactly. experience. Yeah. So, so getting into the sound bit of it, it can be a little geeky. Might I add everyone, so we had a little technical difficulty before we started this episode. And Niranjan was kind enough to like step in and say, okay, please step aside and just let me handle this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's a little bit of a sound nerd, I would say. Is that right? Uh, yeah, actually quite a bit. Are you an audiophile? Completely. Right. I think you. everybody starts off as an audiophile at some point in time. Because uh, everybody wants to kind of figure out how, how does things sound the way they do. Uh, and that was actually also kind of the way I got into the audio industry as a kid. Uh, making my own amplifiers, trying to make my own speakers, uh, trying to make reverb units like we were talking earlier. Let's get the reverb out of the room. But I was trying to get it back into the room. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that was a whole thing of getting into audio. Okay. So I mean, yeah, that's where the geeky part comes in. Right. <laughs> so, you've been, uh, so you got into the industry again because you love listening to music and you know, you're extremely passionate about it. Yeah, I, music, yeah, I mean, the main reason anybody would get into this industry is pure passion. Uh, I think that trumps everything else. Uh, and that was pretty much what I decided to do. 
What is the conventional way of getting into the whole sound engineering and the sound tech business? Very simple. Fight with your parents. Okay. <laughs> because they want you to either do engineering or medicine. Yeah, but this is engineering in its own uh, in its own regard, right? Yeah, but no parent wants a kid to get into the sound industry or into the audio industry or into the film industry. Okay. Uh, preferably get a government job. Mm-hmm. So you need to fight a little bit initially until you get your way. And that's essentially how pretty much anybody gets in. Okay. Unless you're as lucky as I was. <laughs> in, and what happened in your case? Uh, my mom told me, you know what, engineering is not working out for you. I was doing my civil engineering. Okay. Uh, she said, do you want to try doing something? I said, yeah, okay, fine. I wouldn't mind trying to get into the audio industry. She said, okay, go work. So I was going to college and I was working. So the, the main way to get into this actually is to be present where it is actually happening. Yeah. It's yeah. more of, it, this is one industry where it's more hands-on than anything else. Yeah. It's right. completely hands-on. So the only difference being that uh, currently with the way technology has grown, you need to have some kind of foundation now. It's not sufficient that you can just go learn on the job. That's pretty much been taken out of the equation at the moment. But it's just as important. But yeah, there's nothing that beats experience. Right. Absolutely nothing. Like crossing all those bridges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drowning in a few. <laughs> Drowning. <laughs> <laughs> and then surfacing. Yeah, that's pretty much what it's all about. So tell me a little more about uh, Audio Academy. So you guys offer quite a few courses from the, you know, so I checked out the website uh, before we actually sat and did, down, did this session. And uh, so the courses you offer are um, recording and live sound, electronic music production, art of mixing with Pro Tools, which is a DAW yeah. software, uh, system design and alignment, audio fundamentals, um, making music with Ableton, and uh, motion picture sound. Now, these courses are anywhere between five days to a, to a year. To a year yeah. Right? So, our primary program is the Recording Arts and Live Sound program along with the Electronic Music Production course. So, the way that actually works is uh, the first five modules are the same if you're doing electronic music production or you're doing the Recording Arts and Live Sound course because the fundamentals really don't change the minute you're in audio. Uh, post which you then get to specialize either you want to get into concert sound or you would like to get into a studio world for recording, mixing, mastering. Uh, two totally different worlds. Yeah, two totally different worlds. Or you want to become a producer and produce music. To produce music, you necessarily don't have to be able to mix the music. You can get somebody else to do that for you. Right. Who's really specialized in that. Mm-hmm. So we get students to start identifying what they're really passionate about because it's not necessarily... Music... In its, I mean, in a sense, is quite broad. You can be a guitarist or a vocalist, right? right? Yeah. So you can now decide what you want to do. You want to do live sound, studio sound, or become a producer, right? And then we start training them accordingly. So I mean, are musicians coming to you themselves because they want to be learning how you know to to make themselves sound better? Also, yeah, we have a lot of them coming. We okay. have musicians coming, uh, but what we've noticed so far is we have a lot of students who have satisfied their parents saying that, yeah, I've done with my engineering or my medicine and now I'm going to follow my passion. We've okay. actually had more kids like that coming in than kids who have dropped out. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's quite something, actually. So that's when you know they really are passionate about what they want to do. Right. And we don't take in 100 kids in a year. We take in about 30, 40 tops. 
so everybody gets attention everybody gets an opportunity to work on equipment because if you don't work with gear uh, there really is no point to getting into this industry it's all about going hands on hmm right i mean going looking at some of the consoles that you guys deal with i mean it can be pretty daunting at first i mean you just look at it and you'll be like oh my god this is like more complicated than like an airplane's cockpit you know exactly that's what a lot of people <laughs> say and i always tell them you know what it really isn't it's the same thing multiplied 100 times you right. just need to remember what you've done and where what is hooked up that's it it's not that complicated it just takes a little practice uh so the whole idea about audio engineering the way we do it is get the technology out of the way because invariably the technology is what prevents your creativity so even if you're mixing you've got to let your creative juices per se flow rather than actually worrying about oh you know how do i set this up right so you're saying you know the more analog it is uh the easier it is to identify things like D- digital example, needs static. to be digital needs to look more analog yeah digital does simplify a lot of things that analog could never do Yeah but the whole thing is it shouldn't get that overwhelming that you really don't know what's happening I think because of digitalization it's made it so much more um convenient appro- approachable yeah and uh, I, mean, I wouldn't say yeah approachable and just it's it's easier for somebody to actually get into it or think of getting into it or become passionate about it so that after that they can come to an institute like yours and say okay fine I want to take it exactly. forward Exactly Exactly I mean the the whole part of where you can do stuff on a phone make music on your phone now Mhm is good enough to get you get the ball rolling to get you interested in the whole world of audio engineering um uh, so when you have uh, students coming to you do they always know what they want to be doing or does it require like a little counseling from your end to so that they can identify what they want to be specializing in a couple of them yeah we need to counsel them uh the primary reason for our counseling is not to get them to get them to figure if this is what they really want to do so there are just a couple of parameters we run them through Uh, are you ready to work on days when your friends are off which essentially is anything you do in the entertainment industry on the weekends over the weekends yeah so your friends are having a blast and you aren't so that's first tick box that they need to check if they're okay with that yes absolutely so, uh the second thing is their parents need to be aware that they're probably not going to get married for a while because all they're going to be doing is working yeah <laughs> okay right. and the third part of it is they're not going to make a whole lot of money initially Okay until you get your name out there and Exactly because it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of experience is not something that you can just walk in and expect to be the best guy in the world it's not going to happen that way so as long as they kind of realize that that's the only counseling we really get into But that goes without saying for any kind of creative arts also right pretty much pretty much so as long as they are aware of that it's completely fine yeah during the course yes we do help them out you're saying that you know the long work hours yeah. and um, just that's that's essentially how. the counseling we really give them initially before they join the course what about like an audiometry test not to required. make sure that they can listen to stuff properly really not required okay uh i truly don't believe that you must have impeccable hearing to um make music or listen to music uh i think the more important thing is to understand what the musician is trying to communicate and you know as a sound engineer that's like your yeah, job exactly that's that's a job it's essentially uh the get what let people hear what the artist really wants to communicate mm-hmm. so it actually that's really difficult because invariably uh, look at a chef 
every chef wants to add his or own flavor to whatever they make. So as an engineer, you're you're going to end up doing that. But is that really required? Yeah, level fan, buddy. Keep your creativity where it is. Just yeah. make us sound the way we're supposed to sound. Exactly, and that's essentially what people want to hear because that's what they've heard on a record, possibly. Yeah. Right. So it's a very fine line that an engineer needs to look at when he puts in his own creativity, unless it's something that the artist says, you know what, go ahead, do something different. So I'm guessing, like the the bigger the artist, the lesser the creativity that you can explore. Not necessarily. They will give you. a leeway to do things okay because some of them really don't want the same thing that they put out in an album so the experience for the audience is slightly different right. i mean if you could hear exactly the same thing at home i maybe a person doesn't want to come out but if you have something else to offer them when they come out and watch you live they'll come back again yeah what you're saying what you're saying is correct absolutely but the electrifying atmosphere of actually seeing that artist or that band in front of you adds playing, to the experience it just it's all about experience. giving them the best experience possible so you don't have to have the perfect ears to do it but rather a sense of good music listen to good music so you can interpret another person's music and you need to make sure that everybody in the audience hears what you can hear it's no point something you hear something and the audience doesn't hear it right how does it help the audience absolutely and uh, i've been told uh, so i have a couple of friends who are also sound engineers um and i've been told that uh, the best place to stand is probably where they are standing which is again what it should not be yeah right because not everyone can stand in the same exactly place. and how many people can stay and stand in the same spot so the whole idea then is you come so you were talking about another course that we have in audio academy that's called uh, system design and alignment Right. Right. So that the aim of that course is a short course, where we actually teach people to get things to sound the same all over the venue. Okay. So it's, like it's homogeneous throughout the entire. Exactly. Space. So we don't try to make it sound good only for the mix engineer, because right. whatever he hears is what everybody else needs to hear. Yes. And what the mix engineer and artists need to realize is, is the audience who's paying them. <laughs> They're buying the tickets and coming in. Yes. Right. So yeah. the whole idea is to get everybody to hear something same, or rather hear this hear similar sound. That must be quite. quite that's a challenge. So yeah, that by fun. itself, uh, we run that as a short course for professionals in the industry. Uh, we run it as a three-day program, mm-hmm. where only people with more than three to five years of experience are al- allowed to come in and do the course. So that's a prerequisite. Yeah, that's a prerequisite because you need to have that amount of knowledge to just understand how things generally work. Uh, yeah. You. We've had people who've been in the industry for twenty, twenty-five years and come come in and they're like, you know what? We really didn't know any of this. We've just been putting up speakers. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, they they they're very open and open about it because there is so much involved. There's an actual science behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a certain amount amount of math involved in it when you're setting up a speaker. So it then brings in the whole thing of where you have a guy who mixes for the band and you have another person who's called a system engineer. The job of the system engineer is to make sure that it sounds the same all over the venue. Right. So it's it's quite a challenge. So you don't need to have perfect hearing. You could become a system engineer. You could become a stage hand. Uh, you could a stage hand generally just patches up everything on stage, and that by itself is a speciality when you're working with large acts. So if you have like a hundred instruments or two hundred and fifty instruments. 
not everybody is going to remember where each one has to be plugged in and if something goes down you need to remember which cable went where kind of comprehend you know, the complexity i mean what's running through my head is that's a whole lot of cables <laughs> yeah that's a whole lot of cables it's a whole lot of cables and yeah so a person being able to hear things is not the primary thing to become an audio guy yeah as l- the whole thing is as long as he enjoys listening to music and he wants to be part of that entire journey it's fine so tell me a little bit about um miking so that is the main interface between the artists and the speakers right yes so when when it comes to miking you guys are constantly using different kinds of mics for different kinds of things that yes. that um, pick up just particular parts of the entire sound frequency spectrum yeah right so how exactly does that, does, does that work and you know because is that the job of the sound engineer or is that the is that the job of the guy who mics uh it's the job of the sound engineer to choose the microphone it's a job of the sound engineer to decide where the microphone is placed once that's done he just trains somebody to place a mic in exactly the same place so the way you go about choosing a microphone is you either you basically try a couple of microphones to hear the difference mm-hmm. and then the easiest way to place a microphone is just use your ear the microphone is your ear yeah if it sounds good in a given a place just put your mic put the mic over there that's it it's as, as simple as that as simple as that <laughs> it isn't anything more complicated than it people make it seem and sound extremely complicated i have seen guys so you know gases yeah it's gear acquisition, acquisition syndrome. syndrome so this guy he's like um, he has gas <laughs> okay and he's just stacked up and invested a lot of money on mics and he just shows me the different size and shapes in which the mics actually come in you know and he's like yo this is this is the mic just for the toms <laughs> no we all have different microphones but it's we all have preferred microphones but it doesn't go to say that we won't use something else because unless you try something else you won't know you won't know and say if you're using a given mic for a tom what if the tom changes will the same mic work what if the drummer changes yeah so i'm So we haven't gotten to that part yet where we're talking about you know uh, at a concert or an event at a, at a music festival you have multiple artists coming and playing on the same kit right i'm guessing it's only the guitars that they actually bring along with them yeah the kit remains the same so every drummer has their own different style own different intensity and own different you know position on the the drum head that yeah. they're actually striking the drum yeah. head with right uh so all of that makes a difference uh in the way it sounds in the way it sounds the cool part is n- at least in today's day and age drummers have really improved and drummers talk to each other so they pretty much all decide or they request the other guy that or girl it's okay i mean don't change things too much around let's try and keep it the way it is and let's just play so then things don't really change that much Mm-hmm. Unless you're a really big act, you get to get your own drum kit. Yes. Yeah. If you're a headlining act, you will get your own kit. So which that that makes life really easy. But if okay. you're not a headlining act, it's a good thing even for an engineer because even an engineer needs to learn to adapt now to these changes. I mean, for an engineer, it's just all about adapting. If you ask me. Yeah. Because every single band has their own sound, and every single band wants their own sound. you know to be portrayed 
exactly. they don't want to be sounding like anything else. He'd be like, okay, this is not exactly how we sound like otherwise. So it's it's so important for the engineer to actually capture that because otherwise they'll be playing around with the essence of you know how the band sounds. Exactly. <laughs> that's so that's the job of the engineer. He doesn't have to have the best. So it's it uh, does a musician have to have perfect hearing? Not necessarily. So why does an engineer have to have perfect hearing? I mean, I'd like to think a musician needs to have good hearing. He needs to have a good sense of music. Okay. So does his engineer. The engineer is an extension of the band. He literally, I don't, I don't, I actually don't understand why he's called an engineer. What would you call him? An artist. Okay. <laughs> he is an artist because he's an extension of the band. He's, he just has a different set of instruments to work with. I'd like to call him a sound bender. Or possibly a sound <laughs> bender, <laughs> m- <Yeah>. blender, <laughs> blender. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell me tell me a couple of gigs that you've been sound for quite for quite a few gigs uh, around Bangalore like um, Metallica for instance so Metallica yeah so over there I was hired as a system engineer by the rental company in India in mm-hmm. Bangalore mm-hmm. the aim over there was again to make sure that before Metallica Metallica's engineer and their own system engineer came into Bangalore that the system sounded the way it should that is everybody could hear everything wherever they walked before the system was actually handed over to them okay, because so they don't ha- really have the time to can start you, fixing problems can you can you tell me how uh, a band of that mag- magnitude comes and integrates themselves into a setup like this or how you guys integrate yourselves into a setup that they require we we already they already tell us what the requirements are okay so we understand it mm-hmm. we execute it it's actually not that complicated. We just execute what really needs to be done. Um, when we say everybody should be able to hear everything, we actually make sure that everybody can hear everything wherever they are standing. So the experience is not too different. Yes, there is. there will be differences in certain positions in the venue, which we really can't do due to the acoustics of the venue. Mm-hmm. But invariably, it's pretty much going to sound the same if you're in the first row or in the last row. Where it should be. Yeah. So uh, Once we do that, we then give it to them. They check that again to make sure that it is what it is. So this is the sound check before the gig actually starts. Yeah, so it's not even a check of the instruments. This is only a check of the system. Okay. Is the system giving uh, Metallica's engineer what he wants to make sure that the band sounds the way it's supposed to sound? So Metallica comes with their own system engineer again. So he first checks it, then hands it over to the mix engineer. And then they check everything. So you have that as a preset? No. We need to actually take measurements, use software. Okay. Analyze the venue. Analyze what's coming out of the boxes in different positions. And then make corrections to it. Right. So there is no preset ever. We have to actually put a microphone, take acoustic measurements, compare it to the predictions that were made. What I meant was, so once the band comes and does their sound check and everything is good, all the levels are perfect. It's all perfect. saved and we're done. Yeah. Nobody so touches anything so after, after that. After you have like the opening act and all that stuff and then the final act Metallica comes in. didn't have an opening act. So it again depends. Okay. Some acts yeah. permit opening acts or mm-hmm. what they like to call supporting artists. Or supporting okay. acts. Okay. Uh, Metallica in this case didn't have because of the fiasco that happened in, I think of in Mumbai in, in Delhi. Delhi in Delhi yeah, yeah so it was a challenge because they did lose gear over there I think 
It'll just deter an artist from ever coming into the, in coming into the country. But then, of course, we've had so many good gigs after that. Yeah, also. we've had a lot of good gigs. That's just uh, one we've had a lot of gigs before that also. I remember in Bangalore when we had uh, Jetrathal, Uriah Heap, and Brian Adams Heap every knows. weekend. It was three continuous weekends of gigs, and I was like, "Wow." Yeah, this was probably the time before I was born. I think Uriah came no. before. No, that was they came a second time. <clears throat> Uh, mm-hmm. This was in 2005, five, six. Oh, man, I so wish I listened to Uriah Heep at that time so that I could actually appreciate it. Because otherwise... Unbelievable band. Yeah. We were listening to it on the, on the way here. Honestly speaking. <laughs> <laughs> That's a brilliant band. And we've... They're really cool band. We actually got to hang out with them. Really? Yeah. We all got to go sit with them on stage. They were really chill. <clears throat> most Most bands are really chill, right? Not necessarily if they're really, if they're really, really, really big, <coughs> they just walk in and walk out. You won't even see them coming in or leaving. Oh, it's just like that. Yeah, they just come in, do their thing, thing and, and just, they're and out. Just walk back out. Uh, some bands after sound, some the really big bands don't even come for sound check. So it's just the they just it's just the techies who do everything. They just come showtime and they leave. Okay, but that's because they are so well versed with exactly how exactly it, how that's a that's a brilliant crew and everything is done and. It's unfair to ask a band to keep sound checking. Why At that? some point in time, they're going to get bored of it. Yeah, but yes, ev- it is but part of the job. But every venue is different. Every yeah, so they have different. so the bands who can afford techies get it done by them. Okay. The technician knows exactly what the guitarist wants or the vocalist wants or the drummer wants. Maybe they just have like a cover band that sounds exactly, exactly like them. Like, like listen, you guys go. Yeah. <coughs> we play and we'll do the rest. You come in for the show. Even if you don't, if budgets don't permit to have a technician, then the band comes in for soundcheck. Or some bands generally like to come in for soundcheck because they like to get a feel of the venue hmm. that they're going to perform in. And if you're doing back-to-back shows, it is really tiring on the artist. If it's like a tour. Yeah, if it's like a tour. If you're doing a gig today, a gig tomorrow, a gig day after, and then you get a day's break and then another gig, yeah. and you're traveling. Because what happens generally in touring, it's a traveling that's a part that kills you. It's yeah. not the gig. The gig is when you're really having fun. Yeah, it's actually when you're actually having fun. Yeah. Correct. Uh, so it's a traveling that really takes the largest, biggest toll on you. And I mean, they come with a whole lot of equipment. You know, just like uh, packing and unpacking all of that equipment. Yeah, so that's they come with so much so that it's standardized for them. Right. They don't have to worry saying that, oh, you know, the sound's going to change today and tomorrow it's going to change. They know come what may, at least a certain part of it is taken care of for them. So that uniformity is... Is always there. So now the audience has a better experience. Irrespective of which country they're playing in or whatever it is, it's always going to be very, very similar. Hmm. So that's the whole aim. Always trying to get it to sound the same all the way through. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a monumental task, man. Yeah. And it all comes down to guys like you who actually make concerts what they are. You know, like legendary concerts... They're legendary because they sound... I don't think the big acts are the ones that are actually legendary. That's legendary to the audience. The smaller ones are the ones that are legendary because those are the toughest ones. How so? You have a lot of budget constraints. Oh, yes, of course. You don't have the best venues in the world. And you, at times, you need to work with the equipment that is affordable and not not the equipment that you really require. Those are the legendary ones. (laughs) Because you still need to get it to work the same way. Yes. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. They're there for the experience and you need to deliver it. For me, those are the legendary concerts. Absolutely, man. 
So tell, the big you, ones are actually the easier ones because everything is set. Because everything is set. You yeah. have everything you need. You don't have to worry. Oh, this is not working. I have a backup. Come and on, you have let's the best pull of, it up. Yeah, and you have the best of the best. And you have like, crew. You got everything. <laughs> Smaller <laughs> ones are so difficult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And switching I know, from I know what a big saying. concert to a small concert the very next day is tougher still. How so? Because you're subtracting. You, you've just done a big gig. Okay. Everything worked, and then you're going to a smaller gig where you don't have what you had the previous day. Yeah, so you're subtracting what the like the for the like the gear yeah. especially. <laughs> so, so give me. So can you give me a couple of instances about uh, stuff that you've experienced, like with the highs and the lows? Let's start with the lows. That sounds a little more fun. The lows were when I didn't sleep and I fell off the scaffolding. <laughs> I literally was standing on it wasn't too high it was I was about 10 feet up I don't know what happened I just This is when you were rigging everything was done and there, there was a cable that wasn't working and I gone to fix it Damn I fell on the floor I didn't realize I got up I walked down and I was like where's my cap and that's when I realized I'd fallen <laughs> Because you pretty much do a lot of things without sleep Tell me some of uh, your your most favorite venues for gigs to happen at Palace Grounds Okay Undoubtedly is uh, that the only one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a lovely venue because it's easy, it's easily accessible. Uh, it's the heart of the city. Heart of the city. Um, lots of space. Uh, yeah, and it's it, it was a perfect space for the longest time. Yeah, for the longest uh, time. So yeah, that was definitely one of the best venues for me. Um, indoor venues in India there aren't too, too many, many. Yeah. Uh, but there are a few which aren't too bad that. What I've come to realize is you can get a lot of venues to work now. Over the years, I've realized that it sounds slightly different venue to venue, but you can still get it to sound good. Unless it's really, really bad. Are you the mainstay engineer or the resident engineer for um, any bands currently? Avian from Kerala. I know. Avian. Uh, Crazy. Cute. I was just, I didn't say anything because I'm like... Been mixing for them since 2008 or 9, just after the album was released. Wow. Uh, Been with them ever since. Those guys have a very, very, very unique sound. Yeah, they have a very specific sound. So, with, when I tour with them or we do shows with them, we're very specific about their gear that's available. We really can't change it. They do have a lot of session artists also coming on board for like each one of their concerts. No, right? or is it just it's, it's just a couple of concerts where they have session artists coming on, but the core band is always the same. Man, they're crazy. Uh, they're like a small little family, literally. Nice. Home sound. Yeah, yeah. so uh, they're just incredible musicians, all of them. Uh, unbelievably good musicians. So yeah, I've been mixing for them for quite some time. Another band I've been mixing for a while is Thermal and a Quarter. Okay. On another epic <laughs> also, band. Another epic band. Again, since 2008-2009, I've been mixing for them. Mm-hmm. Did a couple of... I did one f- full album for them. Uh, recorded... Tony, Tony's a guitarist. Yes, right? Tony came in much later on. He was there earlier and then he's come in. Uh, yeah, and then the other band that I infrequently mix is for the Raghu Dikshit Project. Okay. So, I mean, these are like... Uh, the staple like household names actually yeah the bands that I pretty much keep mixing I don't haven't taken up any more bands because it's going to get a lot of work with Audio Academy and touring with these acts and once things are back post the pandemic I think so dates are not going to work where do you have I mean during the week you're with Audio Academy acting as a a, a tutor 
yeah so i yeah. i right now, um, my current role in nord academy currently is uh admin so i take care of the entire place um and i teach okay and over the weekends you i uh, gig you gig yeah so so one of the things at audio academy is whoever teaches over there has to be working in the industry of course yeah so it makes no sense if you're not working so we have ashwin who's a live sound engineer who is touring with bands like venchaimet toast uh and with other acts mm-hmm. um ashwin who takes up recordings in our studio uh to so there is always work happening and it's no point if you're not doing work nothing happens you don't learn anything new i think i think it's fabulous because um y- your students who are learning through the week can actually get to apply what they are learning at gigs yes. that happen over the week so for the students we send them on gigs so prerequisite for students to finish the course is 40 shows in a year wow yeah it's no point learning with us so. if you're not going to work and 40 shows in a year is quite a bit because you're out every weekend uh that's pretty much how the life is going to be 40 shows in a weekend 52 weeks in a year yeah. so that's 40 weekends away <laughs> so coming back to what you said in the beginning you need to be okay or the students need to be okay with uh, sacrificing that yeah yeah rightfully so i mean ultimately when when you say okay fine you are ready to head out there and do your own thing you, you need, need to be, be ready to say, for it yeah and no and you need to be able to say that okay fine you know we are certifying you so yeah. that that holds like a lot of precedence yeah when you actually head out there true absolutely uh, i was going through your website and the the section where it just speaks about your team you had velen and vetri vetri yes vetri okay how do you pronounce it velen and vetri Valen and Vetri. So if you guys don't know, you should just go to the Audio Academy website and you should go to their team and the first tab over there is Valen and Vetri. Yes, yeah, so if you need to get through the gates of Audio Academy, they're the right there. Yes. So if uh, you guys are still like scratching your heads, Valen and Vetri are the two dogs that they have at the compound over there, right? Yeah. So dog/family th- members. Yes, they they family, they are Audio Academy. Um funny story is Valen is very sensitive to good quality music <laughs> literally so he's an audio fan uh we used a brand of a speaker and he didn't like it he dug a hole <laughs> we changed it he went and slept right there right beside the speaker that is so strange yeah he he is quite particular about it uh, the other thing i've worked i've done for him is i got uh, these bone conduction headphones so you really don't need to put it on your ear you just put it beside you your and your bones the human bone conduct sound like uh, where your temple is yeah right here right beside you here so okay. i just put it on over there for him and his favorite by far is acdc <laughs> <laughs> i'm not kidding <laughs> he can sleep if i put it on for him <laughs> this is new <laughs> this is something that i haven't heard so it's, it's pretty cool so i was thinking of i should get I mean we used to have those iPod minis I don't know if it's still available they're not available unfortunately uh, I was thinking I should get something small like that put it on to his collar so that he can walk around with some music do you think it's a tragedy that um MP3 players have reached their demise and now it's integrated with the phone of course but you don't have like standalone handheld devices that hold music anymore uh I think it's good because now it's easier for people to access music which yes. means artist better for artists yes 100% undoubtedly yeah yeah but the quality of music i mean if it was a standalone device or on your phone the quality was the same oh okay so i don't feel bad <laughs> so getting okay 
So I'm guessing you're you're a flak guy. Not necessarily flak. I just want to hear it sound good. I don't want to hear all the details in the world. When I listen to music, I want to enjoy listening to the music. I don't want to worry about. Uh, I don't stress rather about the nuances of what's happening, because mm-hmm. that's my job. Yes. Okay. So, when so you I don't listen, be you don't want to be working music, all the time. I really want to enjoy the music I listen. So I I definitely like listening to music in my car. And I really don't care what system it is. Yeah, because the car really, is the best place to listen. Yeah, and to. the whole thing is that's when you learn to listen to music and enjoy music because that's what you need to do at a show. If you can't enjoy the music or relate to the music that you're working with with the artist, you'll never get it. There's no way of it sounding good. I think the one of the best places to listen to music is in your car actually. Yeah. And at times it's okay if there's a traffic jam. <laughs> it's the <laughs> best time to listen to music when you're in a freaking traffic jam. In Bangalore, we're privy to a lot of traffic jams. Yeah, <laughs> so music is like our best friend. Music and podcasts True. like this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Please <laughs> go and go and give it a listen. So, ta- um, when you when you're speaking, so you've mixed for international artists and for Indian artists as well. <clears throat> uh, the the basics will remain the same, but are there any other nuances or differences between mixing for the two? local artists and international artists the nuances is literally if you know the music or not if okay. you've heard it enough uh so for example um it's a lot of fun when you work with small acts that come from abroad international acts that come from abroad uh because you would have never heard the music but that's when i say you need to be an extension of the band you need to start understanding what you're playing Yeah. See, not technically, but the way it sounds and what they're trying to achieve. It's a great responsibility, right? Yeah, Especially so with a small artist, small band that comes into the country. Yeah, exactly. Play. But a small band could also be playing to fifty people, and those fifty people might be amongst the most important people in the world. Yeah. So a show is never small. Yeah, and you should never treat it like that. Also, never look at a show as a small show or a big show. It's just the the audience because. in terms of the equipment in terms of what's required the only thing that changes between a big show and a small show honestly is the number of speakers okay you need more speakers for more people less speakers for less people but the quality doesn't change <coughs> yeah the number of musicians don't change which means your the microphones everything still stays the same and you don't know you don't know who exactly is going to be in the crowd also exactly if you know somebody from a record label is going to be there and if he hears it right yeah then or it might be the next band that wants to hire you also, also you never know <laughs> like oh man there I've are no small shows like i didn't even know you could sound like this yeah. <laughs> you got to be with us now or who's a guy mixing this band so has that has that ever happened to you no for me fortunately people have always recommended me people have appreciated what i've done but getting work has always been yeah i, I guess it in some way work somebody's helped me mix somewhere and they said hey can you come mix for us Nice. It's always been on a recommendation. It's like you know, speak to Naranjan; he might be able to help you out. Do you prefer um, setting up sound in indoor places or outdoor places? Makes no difference. How so? I mean, acoustics. It's the same job. Okay. Yes. Same? It's the same job. It's the same final result that needs to be brought out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, outdoor spaces are easier, no doubt about it. Outdoor spaces also come with their own challenges. indoor spaces yeah you might have the room acoustics to deal with but they come with a different set of challenges so i just i don't worry about if it's an indoor space or an outdoor space for me the only thing is it still needs to sound the same 
right. we need to get it to work the same way but i'm sure when you go to like larger auditoriums and stuff like that like okay so you have sm- like places where smaller gigs happen it's a smaller square footage in terms of area but then when you're going to like an orchestra styled like you know like huge auditorium doesn't it doesn't everything multiply over there doesn't like the echoes and uh, the acoustics and all the nuances yeah, multiply so in that regard so when it's a room that already has is quite live as we call it that's acoustically treated basically it's not too it's not acoustically treated too well you have a lot of sound a lot of echo mm-hmm. what you do is you let the sound come from stage so eventually if you look at s- sound what was the whole idea of sound is you always look at the person on stage or the person performing yes. and you don't have to worry about where the sound comes from speakers were brought in only to amplify that yeah right so use the same methodology where you you look at look at it from an audience point of view and say the sound needs to come from stage my concentration is always on stage so as a mix engineer all you do is you add the difference okay so if the sound already coming from stage do you really need to amplify it no it depends if you're standing close enough to the artist i guess I you're going to hear it anyway yes you will right so if you're right mm-hmm. at right at the back you maybe need to amplify it. so you just add that difference in right so it's like it's a, it's a matter of proximity yeah so you just decide how much is coming from stage how much is coming from your speakers and that's how you mix you don't have to mix the same way all the time because remember the end result is the way it's supposed to sound it's you can achieve it either which way it doesn't make a difference if if a drum if i mean like for small indoor gigs we pretty much just use two microphones and a drum kit we have all of them put up Mm-hmm. but we don't use all of them because you then it just it. it just it's un- gets unnecessary complicated unnecessary you're just making things louder than they really should be yeah right by amplifying it if you don't need to amplify it, don't amplify it mm-hmm. like one of the best shows i ever did was with thermal and a quarter we were doing a show it started raining the entire show was moved indoors obviously there's nothing set in, set up indoors so we took uh bruce's vocal microphone went into a dj mixing console okay <laughs> fed it through the home system mm-hmm set up all the amps and balance the level between the amps and that was it and the drum kit was anyway audible and it sounded perfectly fine couldn't complain <coughs> so i guess i mean that those those are those are the few things that you actually learn when you're actually on the job right yeah that's that's what you really gain from experience so the whole thing of you need this kind of equipment really doesn't require because at the end of the day the audience is there and they want to listen to the music and you have to deliver it and you have to figure out the best way of doing it without changing things too much so yeah it for me venues a better the venue yeah it's easier to work with mm-hmm. uh but i i no longer worry too much about the venue because i know there are methods in which you can still get it to work you can bend sound to make it sound you can blend bend <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh so we're just on the verge of wrapping up and before we do I wanted to know if you wanted to plug in anything on behalf of yourself and Audio Academy as well. Um uh, from the point of Audio Academy please learn understand uh there is nothing more important in today's day and age of audio where you really start need to understand the technology you're working with. Uh it is getting complicated. Uh only to make things better and easier. 
so it is imperative that you understand the technology that you need to work with so the technology doesn't become the problem mm-hmm. uh in terms of anybody who wants to get into the audio industry just do it because you're passionate about it it's a we need guys like you it's a difficult job <laughs> uh but there's nothing more satisfying than going out for a gig yeah. or working in a studio or working on something i mean absolutely and with the whole uh, covid situation we have been impounded exactly so i'm hoping it's going to just come back with a blast it is it is slowly and um, i just i wish you all the best with all the future endeavors and all the future gigs that are going to be coming up and hopefully i should meet you at one of these gigs also yeah, you should and i'm like man let me stand where you're standing so that it sounds the best <laughs> hopefully not <laughs> hopefully you don't have to say something like that <laughs> yes absolutely uh so for for all the listeners um go check out audio academy you can go check out their website you can go view all the different courses that they do offer and um y- if anything else you can just directly get in touch with the academy and i'm sure they'll be able to put you in the right course yes so that you can achieve what you want to be achieving with regards to becoming a sound engineer well that's about it for this day thank you so much dinanjan for coming down it was an absolute pleasure talking to you and listening to all your stories and everything that you have learned on your path to where you are right now thank you so much thank you for having me here all right cheers thank you <laughs>